Welcome to Cocktails and Roses. I'm Osha Ginsberg. That's Alicia Aitken-Radburn. How are you this massive double episode, double, double week? I am great. I can't believe we are getting so close to the end and I still don't know. I can't pick the winner, Osha. And I am so excited because from all accounts, you know, we heard at the beginning of this season that Jimmy is very happy at the moment He's with his girl and they are very much in love. So I'm excited to get the, to the end of all this. I just liked it. There is no winner in The Bachelor, okay? <laughs> There's no prize. There's no cash. It's not Survivor. There's no record deal. I like to consider that I won Bachelor in Paradise. All right, I've then. got the best prize of them all. And what is that? Love. Bingo. Let's get into the episode. If you haven't seen episode 13 and 14, stop what you're doing. What are you doing? Watch episode 13 and 14. They're on 10 play right now. And we'll be right here when you get back. Let's kick off with the uh, morning stretch, let's just say, with uh, Jimmy and Brooke. I mean, where else? You get up in the morning in Sydney, you're like, oh, I feel like a bit of a bit of a limber up. Where should I go? Yoga mat on my living room floor? No. A backyard in the sunrise? No. I know, the observation deck of the Sydney Tower that's 260-something metres over the street? Yes. It's really just a tease <laughs> for everyone in lockdown at the moment, just showing everyone these beautiful sites that you cannot go to. Yeah. But, you know, we get to live vicariously through Jimmy and Brooke as they do do a classic Sydney, let's say a Sunday morning, and everyone does get up for their yoga, their Pilates, and they just happen to be doing it on the rooftop of the Sydney Eye. Yeah, and I don't envy the date producers, all right? I don't envy them. Like, how are we going to show these two people reconnecting? They've been apart from each other. They were talking. They were texting. They are actually able to, you know, be in touch while she was away. How do we show them reconnecting? But also then how do we, you know, make it look like it's good on TV? I don't know. We'll put lots of you know, colour and movement in the background. So as far as single dates go, as far as an opportunity for some sort of connection romance, like I've stood on this thing a number of times for various television things. It's got a glass floor, which they don't really show here. So when you look down, you're looking between your feet to something like 100, 200 metres of street below you. It gives you the bloody willies, I'll tell you that. I... <laughs> I loved Brooke's interviews on top of the Sydney Eye. And you can, you can sort of see the fact that she's standing on a glass roof. And what I loved about it is because, you know, it's hard to articulate yourself in these moments at the best of times. You're trying to find the words for how, you know, how special you're finding your connection. I remember it in Paradise with Glenn. It's hard to search for the words to describe the feelings that you are cultivating with this person and poor Brooks like holding on to the edge railing for dear life just being like I really really like him I really like him <laughs> yeah it's a really long way down the other thing is that people when they're in the mansion they don't they don't see the news feeds flying by they don't see the paparazzi photos and Brooke for better or worse came across these I don't know if she was searching for them or if the algorithms fed them to her but she did, she had a look and she saw, oh, and that's right, she admitted to it. She said, oh, I did some stalking, which is not actual stalking. She just did some research. Stalking is a very different thing. And she saw pictures of Jimmy and Lily 
on their date where, you know, there's a fair amount of, I'm really cold, can I put my legs and arms around you? I was I was going to give a shout out to post-production again, Osha. Thank you for inserting that photo because her legs were wrapped right around Jimmy. Lily, that is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And in the mansion, you don't ever see what goes on at the single dates. The other ladies may come back and say, oh, we had a bit of a kiss. But a bit of a kiss is not I wrapped myself around him or he wrapped himself around me or we were hidden away in this grotto or we were, you know, had a passion, a upside down fighter plane or whatever they did. You know, you don't see it. You don't have, you just kind of have this image of what it might be. But she had to see these pictures, these long lens paparazzi photos. And I think she quite rightly and really quite well articulated the feelings that any of us would have if someone that we were into, we saw photos of them like the next day or the day after. I think she did a, a quite a pretty good job of describing how it felt. And I really felt for it. Yeah. I thought she did too. I thought she was very mature and she didn't attack him. She just she just let him know how she was feeling. And it can't be understated, Osha, how hard it would have been to see those paparazzi photos. I remember when I first got my phone after leaving the mansion and, you know, I didn't have a connection with the honey badger, but just sort of re-emerging into the real world and all of a sudden realizing that while the series hasn't aired, there are segments of the audience that already know who you are. There's already been paparazzi pictures taken from of you from a veranda and people are already snooping around and finding out who you are and making comments about who you are without you even being on television yet and I just remember like the first moment that I received my phone honestly adrenaline is pumping through your veins and it doesn't stop for about 12 hours so I can't imagine how that would be if you've already sort of halfway gone through this journey, you have a strong relationship with The Bachelor and you're re-emerging to not only discover that people know who you are and every, there's all, all these little bits and pieces that are out in the public, but you, you're seeing that person that you've established that connection with really intimate. I would just, and you have no way to go directly up to that person. Yeah. I find it interesting that she did not, you know, she she had the capacity to like flick Jimmy a text with a news article and be like, what's up here? But I think it was smart for her to leave it until she was back in the context of the show to raise it with him. It was a really good example for me of someone verbalizing their emotions and having a really good boundary of going no and this is what I'm feeling like I, I don't I'm not saying you're wrong for doing it you know she was quite obvious like this is where you are this is what you're doing I get it I've chosen to be here like I thought it was a an incredible example of really great boundaries and really great emotional communication the two of them did manage to reconnect though they did she did find the thing in him and he found the thing in her but they didn't really talk about who's living in what state or are you going to be okay if I leave for five days and on my job because he's if anything, shown us that he's really com- not a, a man that's not afraid of commitment to his career, and rightly so. To get that job, you've got to fight hard, hard, hard for years to get onto that flight roster, and he's not about to let it go, and I understand that. And so he's really looking for someone that's going to be okay with that. Fair enough. But they haven't talked about this stuff, really. They haven't, and, you know, we see this develop in the next few episodes, and we get back to this sort of 
codependency question that we saw emerge earlier in the series through Steph. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, you know, I, I raised that I had a little bit of an issue with just labelling someone as codependent. Yeah. And I think that that was a little bit of me projecting because I do think just in the context of my own life, I've seen people exhibit codependency that has really stilted their own it's basically really impacted their ways to create healthy relationships in their lives. But I do think it's something that we are going to have to progressively unpack because Brooke does start to say it herself that she is quite dependent. And, you know, look, at least she is being upfront and she's saying that I, I, I'm glad that they are having these conversations because you know what would be worse if Jimmy and Brooke ended up together at the end. And then a couple of weeks later, they realize that they've reached an impasse because Jimmy just can't be there for Brooke in that physical sense that she obviously wants. The one thing that I do think that Jimmy did really well here was amongst all this insecurity and amongst these difficult emotions, he did really affirm her. And there were a couple, he's just amazing at giving this affirmation without giving too much away. He did a few like side glances here where he was basically trying to say to her, it's okay. Hey, I really like you. Please believe me. Yeah. I guess it was pretty, it's always pretty tough for whoever our hero is, whether it be our bachelor or our bachelorette, because what they do have reciprocal feelings, they have to be so very careful. And that is all very difficult. Like the other person just has to wait for the rose, which is the best they can do to reassure them, which is really, really hard to do. We move on to a situation where everyone's together. We're on the backyard of the mansion. And uh, I don't think I ever want to see a photo of my face mirrored. <laughs> Me either. And I've got to tell you, these things were huge. You can see how big they are. They're like probably 20 times bigger than your actual head. And when the ladies and Jimmy, when they all came out of the manch and had a look at these things, like I, I would have reacted exactly the same way. In fact, you saw a little bit of it, but there was more than one of them who was like just jumping in front of it. Like their first reaction was, don't show this. Don't show this. But it's a really unfair thing. We have asymmetrical faces and to show our faces symmetrical, it looks super weird, man. Yeah, except for Holly, who like still looked perfect. <laughs> I would have been so dirty if Holly was in my sort of group of women. I'm just like, okay, you perfect model. Sure. Thanks. Do you believe this, Osha? Do you believe the whole face reading thing? Because um, I think that look, I think there's something to it. As a man who's nearly 50, my face, the, the lines of wear and tear in my face indicate the general facial expressions that I have been holding for most of my adult life. And I'd like to think that most of them are not angry ones. So I think generally when you look at my face, you can see a lot of the emotions that I generally express outwardly. And I don't think that's a stretch. <laughs> as far as you know, anything else goes, uh, look... It's all up. Whatever you want, take it, take it or leave it. You know. But I thought, you know, I thought she had a lot of interesting things to say. I, thought, I think Rarik and face readings. It's pretty interesting. You know, there's a lot that you can probably gain from that. I don't know about a rebellious hairline. I've never heard of a rebellious hairline. A sensitive chin. What's a rebellious hair? What's a sensitive chin? What is that supposed to mean? I um I really appreciated Jay's comment because it was the first thing I thought of as well, where Jay basically said, What what happens if you like you've just spoken to me, Osher, about your face showing 
you know, how you've held yourself over the years. Yeah. I've had about 80 units of Botox through this forehead between various seasons of Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, like, what I, I want to know what she would read off my face because I can't really move it that much. <laughs> so I don't really buy the face reading, I have to say, but I will come along for the TV fantasy and I think it is good to open up you know at the very least whether it's a bit of theatrics I think that it does catalyze these conversations just back to your earlier point there Alicia there and I had to read a lot about this when Wolfie was little he's two so he's still little but kids learn emotional regulation and how to react to situations by looking at their parents and the adults in the room as to how they react and they copy them and there is actually research about emotional development of kids And if there's no micro-expressions going on with the parent, it's very difficult for the emotional development of the kid to happen naturally. There's research onto this. And I don't think a lot of people realize that when they want to get rid of small lines around their eyes, that they (laughs) might be stunting their child's ability to know when things are good or bad. I'll have to slow down then before I pop one out. (laughs) It's really really worth looking into because if you don't know if things are a good thing or a bad thing, that's the only way we know. And when you see kids are little, you know, they, you see them check the adults in the room out to know how to react to a situation. We might just think that big, gross motor movements like a smile or a laugh or a frown is the things that's sending the message, but it's the tiny little movements, the itty-bitty muscles around their eyes that tell them what's going on. So I think Jay had a fairly good point there. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think there's power in the face-reading exercise in the sense that you know, I don't think it's just children. I think we also pick up on those subtleties in our partner and how they are expressing themselves and how they're feeling about a certain situation. I know with me and Glenn, one of our the biggest successes in our relationship and one of the reasons why I think we fundamentally work is, and people say this about their own relationships, he's very in tune with me as a person and he can pick up how I'm feeling without me having to explicitly express myself all the time. And, you know, there's going to be points in any relationship where you do just need to, so much of the time we hear in relationships that people just like, your partner's not a mind reader. Sometimes you just have to tell them what you're feeling. But it is very helpful in our relationship and in in anyone's relationship. If you can pick up little bits and pieces about your partner. Yeah, I'm the not a mind reader kind. (laughs) To much frustration of the intimate partners I've had in my life, unfortunately, but that is what it is. At the cocktail party, there was a fair amount of tension because this is the last cocktail party before Jimmy's deciding, like there's four roses, all right, that's it, here we go. The pressure is on. So it's time to really bring out the, we've got to get the big stuff out onto the table. And um, Brooke talks about the interstate situation and between his hours and her I guess, shall we say, need for connection, need for reassurance. There's a lot going on there, isn't there? Yeah, and it's also impacting on the other girls as well. I mentioned last episode, Osha, that I was really struggling to figure out who the final four would be. And I was still struggling at this rose ceremony. But in this cocktail party, I did see that these big issues that Brooke was throwing out there And, you know, for good reason, because we need to discuss these and we need to get them resolved before we're making really big decisions. 
but it's impacting on the other girls as well. And Lily particularly, I think she says something like, I've said that I don't think they're compatible from the start. So you really start to feel this tension amongst the women. And it's at at the rose ceremony as well when we do get down to those final four because Lily and Ash do not receive a rose. Lily hugs the other girls and whispers to them, she needs to go about Brooke. And that was drama. <laughs> the Savatula crossover is coming. I almost thought she was going to slip an idol into someone's backpack as she did it too. It was, yeah. it was really like that. And I guess, you know, for me, when we get to this point, and bear in mind, I've only met these ladies. I only ever meet them on the group dates. So it's the only time we really interact. We don't speak at the cocktail parties. I come in, I deliver business, I leave. The rose ceremonies, I whisper at them. So the only time I ever interact with them is during the group dates. And at this point, people ask me, you know, like sometimes in interviews, you know, what do you look for in a, in a partner? What have you learned? I'm like, if, if, if there's one thing I've learned, it's like whoever it is, our bachelor and our bachelorette, they choose what's right for them and you have to let them make that choice. Both Lily and Ash are magnificent women. Lily is so driven for someone of her time in life. She has so much fortitude. She has an incredible skill set, a great career. She knows what she wants. She's stunning. She's lovely. She's forthright, but she's not for Jimmy. It doesn't mean that she's not of incredible value. And the same for Ash. Ash is an amazing person. She's kind. She's lovely. She's just glows. She's a wonderful, wonderful human, but she's not for Jimmy. And it's really hard. Like for me, it's like both these ladies are magnificent people, but for him, it's like, yeah, but see, that's not, not what I'm looking for. And we have to, you know, for this part, because by now I've got to know them a bit and go, wow, there's some really, really wonderful people here. It's a bit full on, you know, going, okay, well, it's just, you've got to let him have that space to make the choice what he feels is, is right for him. And I guess, you know, that's what the show is because we're like, oh, I can't believe you did that. But it's what he's after. And I think that's something that we need to remember in our own relationships as well as we move through life that sometimes this is the most awful situation when you are just so into somebody, but it's not reciprocated potentially to the extent that you feel about them. And sometimes you do have to remind yourself that as cliche as it sounds, sometimes it isn't you, sometimes it's them. And you are okay. You are great. And you'll find that person. I remember after Jules on Batchy in Paradise, I was just honestly devastated. And I remember my mum seeing me at Christmas after we filmed. And I was just sort of so broken because we were still friends. We were still talking. But I was coming to this realization that it was never going to happen in the way that I wanted it to happen. And there were other people out there for us. And so I think we just have to remind ourselves in the depths of our despair. And Lily and Ash have gone on a huge journey by this point. And they both are very emotionally involved with Jimmy and the process. And I think you're right, Osha. We need to remind ourselves that even though we're hurting, there is someone out there for us. At this point, this is the sort of thing that really makes me miss Bachelor in Paradise because I feel for someone like Sierra, we would have the best time ever yeah. with Sierra. Someone like Ash and Lily, we would 100% find them love. Yes. You know, and it makes me, I'm a bit bummed that at this point, 
we don't have Batch in Paradise. I certainly hope it comes back. Talk to your people, Osha. That's all I'll say. Talk to your people. Well, we might have to make Bachelor Pad, which was the do it the precursor the precursor to Bachelor in Paradise because Bachelor Pad we were able to do at least in a you know we could probably do that in New South Wales. It's just like where do we find a anyway? We could figure that out. We're going to talk about hometowns next. The classic parental grillings are on the way. Okay, it's a great time of year when bachelors go to hometowns. I mean, we know it. We know the beats. We know the song. We love to hear it every time. We're like a toddler going, read the book again. It's the time when the bachelor shows up, either the sister or the brother or the dad or the grandma or someone will go, don't you break her heart. And we love it. Carly's first cab off the rank. Like if you've ever seen any kind of any of those emergency shows where they talk about and then the paramedics had to chop her in somewhere and save someone. And there's a hunting accident where a person held a shotgun and then shot their foot right off. I think that's what Jimmy does when he sits down at the table and says, oh, no, she's calm. She's predictable. Like, Oh, predictable is not a romantic word. (laughs) You know, I sort of empathize with him in the sense that, oh, okay, it wasn't, it's, it's very much a, you know, the words just came out of your mouth before you managed to process what you had said moment. I sort of understand what he was trying to say. I remember I also had a little bit of a foot in mouth moment in Bachelor in Paradise post show when everything aired. And I remember this season of Bachelor in Paradise, we had like the 10 social team, this amazing social video series, which was the cameras in our berets, which showed us, you know, that's where all the contestants, for lack of a better word, are the most candid. Participants. Participants. Because <laughs> there's no prize. Again, there's no prize. I'm telling you I won, Osha. And in in these little private candid moments in our bedrooms, there's a scene where I'm basically, I'm about to go on my first date with Glenn and I'm talking to Mary and Renee and I'm like, oh, my God, like I'm so obsessed with Glenn. He seems, he's like so hot. He's amazing. But he seems, I'm worried that he's not spicy enough. And I feel like that's kind of, you know, I I do see, I see parallels between Carly and Glenn in the sense that they're both very grounded and they are calm people. But he just used the wrong word here, predictable. It's it's not sexy. Did, uh, does Glenn ever bring up the fact that he's spicy? Uh, well, since we have been in multiple situations where he's been like, you know, this is what it is, right? It's not that he's spicy is just a strange word to say. And I think that that's what I was searching for in previous relationships. But does he turn to you? Does he turn to you and go, is this spicy enough for you? Like, does he still kind of, because that's ammo for life. It really is. Yeah. It really is. And it's just. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm feeling like Jimmy now and I am I, I imagine the feeling because you just want to crawl back into your shell mm. and say, oh, God, I did not mean to articulate it in that way. I really, really like you. To be honest, I think that saying someone is not spicy is, I feel like predictable's worse. Sorry to throw you under the bus here, <laughs> Jimmy. 
predictable four horrible syllables and you could Actually, you can see it as it comes out of his mouth. You can yeah. see his face go, oh, no, what have I done? What, by the time he's at the duh, he's like, uh-oh, and the rest of it comes out and he realises, oh, no. And then, yeah, horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, Jimmy talks to Carly's brother in this family situation, and I'm like you, Osha. I'm always thinking um, every time we enter a hometown, I'm like, oh, who's going to really, is, are we going to have a crazy dad? Like who's going to be grilling during this hometown? Jimmy sits with Carly's brother and his partner and the brother's partner says she thinks that it takes two years to really get to know somebody. What do you think about that? That was just a little, it left a little thought in my mind. And I was thinking, well, these guys have about three months here. So. Not even. Two years, ah. Uh... I don't know. You, you, I think you generally aren't. You get, I think you're going to get, it's a bell curve. I think you're going to get most of it fairly quickly. The first you know, six to eight weeks, I reckon you've got a fair amount. But certainly, and this is what Bachelor does, is certainly as you start exposing yourselves to different stressors, and it's usually things that you don't expect in the courtship phase, like you're on a holiday and your luggage goes missing and, you know, one of you gets dysentery and, <laughs> you know, that's when you start to find things out about each other. You know, because these things happen and you're like, oh, when you're under stress, that's when other stuff shows up and perhaps old patterns of behavior from past relationships show up. And the thing with Bachelor is that these moments through the people say, why do you, you know, take a jet ski to a cheese platter? It's like, well, if you're doing something that's kind of heightened, these things start to show up. And that's kind of the idea behind, you know, helicopters to a, a glass of wine. Um, but um, I don't know about two years. I don't know about two years. But look, I think Jimmy did okay. Uh, get Carly's an amazing person. I think he totally, totally realizes that. He wouldn't have been so devo had he not had feelings for her and he wouldn't have gone, oh, my God, I've just described this person I'm into in this way. It's a really unkind thing to say to her family. It, you know, it would have been would have been tough for him to realize, but we've all done that, mate. Jimmy, we've all put our foot in front of the in-laws every time, mate. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's par for the course. We've all done there. Jay is a different story. He meets Jay's dad and um, straight up is curry talk. Very exciting. Oh, it looked delicious as well. And I was so excited for Jay that some members of her family, her dad, her best friend, flew over from New Zealand. Oh, the times when we could do such a thing. <laughs> uh, but look, as far as, you know, this is the, the Fijian side of things, and I'm, my wife is Fijian. To bring a curry, it is a significant indicator of uh, it's a show of respect. It's a show of I made this. It's, it's something that he would have taken the time to make. It's a big deal that dad showed up with a curry. Culturally, that's a big deal. And so it was pretty nice. However, then we get to the moment where Jay's mate, I don't think it was an under the bus moment. It's more of a like a, we all know this. How do you not know this? Yes. Yeah. It was a matter of fact thing. What do you mean you haven't figured this part out? Of course she wants to be a presenter. Like what? And that for, for Jimmy, that's kind of underlining a few things that he's heard already. In fact, things that he very recently let Tani go over. So there must be a lot going on for Jimmy when he hears that. Yeah, and look, <laughs> where the issue is here is that I don't think that there is an issue that Jay wants to be a presenter. It's not about that. I remember when I was on a date in Paradise with Davey Lloyd, I was discussing with him what he would want for the future. And Davey has a background in sort of, I'll probably mangle this, but sort of landscaping or that sort of adjacent area. 
And he shared with me that he wanted, he would love to be on like Better Homes and Gardens or, you know, one of those like Renault shows. Mm -hmm. And I didn't take it as, oh my God, he's not here for the right reasons. I think you can absolutely like people in the arts industry, like Osha, you're a presenter and you are deserving of love. (laughs) Let me tell you the issue. I, I don't think that it's mutually exclusive. I don't think it's a case of, oh, Jay's a presenter. She's here for Instagram fame. She's not here for the right reason. She doesn't actually want true love. Presenters can fall in love. But the issue here is that they are at hometowns. They've been on quite a few single dates or had one-on-one time together. She's had the business lounge the whole time. She's had the business lounge the whole time. And one of the first things that we sort of cover off when we're getting to know somebody I did it with Glenn is what are your future hopes and dreams what are you doing at the moment in your life now oh you're a nutritionist amazing is that what you want to end up like is that your career path these are things that we unpack as we get to know somebody and if you're that passionate about presenting it's something that you should have talked about already so I get Jimmy's feelings. And as a viewer, I was prickly as well. I was like, okay, now it is, now it's feeling a little, yeah, just, it doesn't sit well. That the information wasn't already volunteered as well, I think is. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point. There's nothing wrong with being a presenter. No, 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 not at all. It's one thing for Jimmy to not talk about it, not ask about it. It's another thing for it not to be volunteered, particularly when there has been questions about integrity, I guess, and the aforementioned right reasons. But it was clearly weighing on Jimmy, like, oh, what have I done? You know, you could see he was, reflect- was reflecting quite heavily upon him. Holly's adventure was interesting, particularly when her mates kind of identified Holly's desire to raise family and going, well, hang on, as a pilot, how's this going to work? I think Jimmy's got a lot of experience in that. So for Jimmy, it's a no-brainer, but I think a lot of people would also have to understand what it means. For Jimmy, his his dad was a cabin manager, so Jimmy's dad was away a lot doing exactly this kind of work. There's someone in my family who flies planes and they, they have three kids and they're great. They have, you know, as Jimmy describes, it's like five days on, seven days off, eight days off, something like that. So it can't be done, but if you if you don't know what a pilot does, if you've only seen those George Clooney movies or whatever it is and, and you think, oh, that's what pilots do, it's like, no, it's not. But I understand why Jimmy has no problem with it, but they like kind of don't get it because they've never really seen it. And I think Jimmy is right in sharing with Sam, Holly's friend. And I loved Holly's family setup. I think that was really lovely to be able to sort of learn that she's got a close relationship with her mum and a close relationship with her friend Sam's parents. I thought it was a beautiful hometown. I thought Jimmy did really well with Sam, Holly's best friend, in sort of unpacking the role of a pilot and showing Sam that, you know, there are definitely challenges to the role in terms of being away for stretches of time. But in contrast, you're also home for stretches of time. Yeah. And it will enable Jimmy as a dad to be incredibly present with his kids. Absolutely. And, you know, that's sort of more than can be said for some parents who are, you know, really stuck in the rat race and working at nine to, you know, late, late nights. 
Yeah. So the big misconception is that, oh, if you're away for a couple of days, then you're not there for the kids. Well, what's the reality is that some people, like non-COVID times, some people, like you see your kids for the 20 minutes of, of drop-off of the school. Yeah. You get home like around for the chaos of dinner time and then you get them for 20 minutes before bed and then that's it. Like You've spent literally 42 minutes with the kids all day. That's that's all you've got. Whereas, you know, someone like with a career like this or for, you know, a FIFO worker of whatever description, whatever industry, it's like, all right, I got them this week. Go have fun, honey. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. I think it's advantageous. And the other thing that I loved about Holly's hometown is, you know, we mentioned the beats of the show at the beginning at the top of uh, covering hometowns and a very important aspect of hometowns is the goodbye on the doorstep. Oh, the doorstep, yes. And (laughs) Holly had an incredibly dramatic, romantic doorstep moment in the sense that they said goodbye to each other. He walked up the road and she, like, basically put herself into a ball and she was longing for him. And then she walked up to the driveway and he was still there and they share a kiss and it was very... I was, I hadn't been understanding Holly and Jimmy's relationship as much up into this point. I'm a simple person and I, I, you know, I see very explicit relationships between people where it's all very much, you know, making out every two seconds. And I'm like, okay, they're in love. And I think that Holly and Jimmy's relationship is quite complex and I'm really seeing the strands of love (laughs) through their hometown visit. I think that they have the foundations of something very strong. Well, that moment you're talking about, the goodbye moment, as we saw brilliantly in Matt Agnew's season, I can't, I just can't. (laughs) Like that moment where, you know, they everyone realises this is the last time I get to speak to them. And it's at that point that people will say, look, I'm really falling in love with you or I'm, I'm really feeling for you or, you know, I can't. There's, there's something that's not right here. You know, that's the moment where the, the rubber meets the road and there's the last communication before they see them again, which we did see, you know, Holly ended up chasing him down the road because like, oh, hang on, there's something left unsaid here. So she ended up saying this. Yeah. We get to Brooke's hometown and um, Brooke's family just comes straight out like, oh, yeah, Brookie. Yeah, fairyland. Yeah. She's like, season pass. I loved I loved her family. But, yeah, they are. They didn't beat around the bush. They definitely know they're Brooke. And uh, I don't know. There was just like some, there was some stuff about this hometown that I felt like, you know, Brooke's really showing her intensity by this point and the fact that she... She was really feeling for Jimmy. She's in deep. And I just think that, like, at some moments, it I feel like we're back in the maze, the compatibility maze, and it's a bit like, here's Johnny. (laughs) That's probably unfair, but I just feel like I, I wish relationships and for, you know, as we progress, I'm just nervous that, I'm nervous that Jimmy is going to see Brooke's intensity and be like, oh, God, this is a lot. But it is who she is. That's true. And that's fine. And there's, there will, people will always kind of regulate. And when couples get together, they, they regulate who they were and they kind of come to this kind of, uh, what's the word, equilibrium yes. with each other. So it's not something to be completely 
you know, thrown off by. There's people can move and adapt. And there's, there's parts of Jimmy's personality that perhaps when they get together, they'll be like, you know what, I could probably do without, you know, being this whatever it is about whatever it is. Yeah. And that's fine. Do I really need it? Is it affecting what I would like with this person? Yeah, I can let it go. And that's, you know, hopefully you can work that out. Jimmy's, again, quite, uh, again, for people who aren't in the airline industry, and I only know this because, as I said, there's a person in my life who is, who is a pilot. It takes years and years and years to get to this point and to fight your way onto those rosters and to pass test after test after test and get ready and get ready and get ready. So to be the international pilot, that is like this this rank of achievement for an industry that has a fair amount of legacy and is probably pretty a, a pretty stable gig. To have people go, well, why would you you know question that? It's incomprehensible for someone who's dedicated literally their life to doing this that they would ever do anything different. For some jobs, you know, you can understand that there'll be some change or some compromise, but for this job, you you really have to go like, okay. He's an international pilot and this is what it is. Yeah, I get it. And I feel like it would be like if someone was sort of an aspiring actor all their life and they've landed all of these TV gigs, Mm -hmm. but then all of a sudden an Oscar winning film, they want, they want to cast you in it. It's not something that you say no to. That's right. That's right. And Jimmy's family is pretty uh, verbal about, the need for interaction that Brooke has required in their experience. Mm. Is that as diplomatic as I can say it? <laughs> Jimmy's, he, he, he says a line which really kind of blows my mind. He said, I know that she can make me happy, but I don't know if I can make her happy. To hear someone say that, to hear someone be like really thinking about what that person's getting out of the relationship and thinking about that and their needs at this stage... Like, again, this man's got more emotional maturity than, you know, <laughs> a, a lot of, like, God, me and half the people I know combined. You know, it's amazing that he thinks like this. Yeah, it's really awesome. And I don't know if we've seen it to this extent in other series mm. of The Bachelor in terms of when he's really bringing it down to those sort of final two that he's having these last dates with. I don't know if we've seen a bachelor think so much about the other person. Yeah. Because you are trying to find who is good for you. So it would be very easy to think, oh, God, I'm, like, really enjoying this person and that's everything that my heart is drawn to. Yeah. So I think it's very... It's scary moving so close to the end because I really love Brooke and I really love Jimmy together. But as we've seen, they've got some stuff to really nut out before the finale. They do. It's important as well, though, that Jimmy doesn't make emotional choices for somebody else. You know, she may, she may go, no, 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 and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the challenge of figuring out how to live like this. Like, you know, I know that he's probably aware of that, as we've seen that his mum and his sister will probably drum this into him. You know, there's probably some, he's got some really solid boundaries, but he may not, you know, you've, you've really got to be careful of making an emotional choice for somebody else. You know, it's up to her as well to go whether or not she'd be okay with that. Maybe she can identify that as a chance to like, you know what, maybe this is my chance to work on that thing. And here I go. We don't know. We're going to have to find out. We get to the rose ceremony and there's a, there's, there's a lot of pensive walking around and staring out into the, f- the fields of fairy lights and wondering. And of all the names that I've whispered at a rose ceremony, this one was particularly whispery and it was a bit hard to say goodbye to Carly. 
because I think it's really clear. As we mentioned before with Lily Ash, you know, I guess she's just not for Jimmy. Carly is a fantastic human being. Their connection was undeniable, but I guess that's just not what he's looking for at this point. And, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm too invested in this. <laughs> nah, I get it. I've really loved Carly. I would not be disappointed with a Carly Bachelorette season. I don't know what's happening next year, but gosh, she's like, she is just a full package. Yeah. And I am so excited. I'm definitely like going to go stalk her on Instagram <laughs> and follow her future love journey. Yeah. I guess for me, I was, I was extra sad with, and I hope she doesn't, you know, reverse engineer this into that. But she has said she's like men are intimidated by how powerful I am. And, you know, essentially I'm paraphrasing, but men are intimidated by how successful she is. Yeah. Men are intimidated by who she is, how she carries herself. She's She was struggling meeting men that can handle that. Mm -hmm. And so I say to you, men of Australia, step up, chaps, get up to the wicket. It's your turn to bat and you'll be fine. Go on. <laughs> Face face a couple of fastballs from Carly, you'll be all right. You never know how you know how strong you'll get because of it. And I think that's the other thing. When men, you know, I I'm married to a very very strong woman, and I guess I've I've surrounded myself with strong women. You know, my entire team that I work with are all incredibly strong women. Rachel, Lauren, Mel, Carla, that these all these people that I I work with every day, and you rise to it, and you're better for it. You know, to want to feel like, no, no, no. I'm not saying this is Jimmy at all. I'm just trying to talk to the men who have said no to Carly on dates before. Um, like who you get to become because of your relationship with a strong woman is amazing. So, you know, put on your big boy pants. You'll be all right. <laughs> oh, Carly. Oh, Carly. I'm going to miss her. Why don't we have paradise? Why don't we have bachelor pad? Make it happen, Osha. <laughs> Get Channel 10 on the phone. <laughs> oh, I don't think I'm emotionally ready for the next parts of this as we move towards the... I'm clutching my pearls right now. You can't quite see it. Um, I don't think I'm emotionally ready as we move towards the, the, the final bits of this as Jay, Holly and Brooke all kind of walk towards the, that final ceremony with Jimmy. I'm, I'm so emotionally invested in this, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. Network 10 next Wednesday, 7.30. That's what's going to happen. If you missed any episodes and you want to check out more, 10play.com.au. There's heaps of episodes of Cocktails and Roses there as well. We are a 10 Speaks podcast. Find us wherever you find your podcast. Tell a friend. That's the best thing you can do for us. And you can find the Cocktails and Roses 10 Speaks page on 10 Play. Big thanks to our um, producers, Ali Atkin and Rachel Barrett, and to you, Alicia Aitken-Radburn. We'll see you next week.
I hope so. By the finale, Donna, you better have a jab or two in your arm. I don't know if you can get them that quick. Oh, that's true. I just want her to be protected desperately. <laughs> I want her to be protected. Get on down to the GP, Donna. Everyone go get back.